I didn't think that there was anything on the face of the earth that would ever push me to do what I'm going to do right now. But Flair, you have pushed me as far as you're going to push. Right here is $25,000. Any human being that can eliminate Ric Flair for me has got $25,000 cash. Paul Jones, Dick Slater, the names, the list, it goes on and on. It's here for you. Come and get it, please. Somebody take that damn money. Let me say this straight to you, Ric Flair. I'm with the two people that probably know you better than you know yourself. You remember when we spiked your head and a pile driver into that canvas. And I'm coming for that neck, buddy, and the elimination of Ric Flair. Welcome back to the Wrestling House Show. My name is Joey. My name is Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, Joey. Yeah, hey. So, we're starting the NWA portion of what we talked about when we started this whole project, the modern era of professional wrestling where we go through all the super cards and pay-per-views. It's, it's always kind of, you could debate where the modern era, what we consider to be the modern era, you know, in our lifetimes. Right. And what is now kind of what I call the network era for the WWE Network mm. Because this is the stuff that people have access to via the network. And some of the earliest stuff you can go online and look at right now on WWE Network. Yeah, and that was the impetus of kind of the idea of how this whole thing started. Right. Is if you want to go old school, we just want to hold your hand and and get you in there. And, you know, we're going to go over all the cards like we discussed. And this is, you know, maybe if the show isn't top to bottom, like a must-see. Like, what what do you consider like a must-see show, just off the top of your head, Chris? Um, Heat Wave 99. Yeah, there you go. That's one of them. <laughs> Any of those from 99. Sure, an easy one. <laughs> WrestleMania yeah. 3. You know, yeah. yeah. So, you, you know you're going to watch those top to bottom, but for certain shows, you know, there's certain super cards and pay-per-views, you know, sometimes they're not all that. Yeah. But we watch them all because we love them all. And yeah. But if you're going in there and maybe you don't have the time, maybe you have a, a crazy job where you work 80 hours and, you know, I don't know. Yeah. But you don't have a lot of time, but you want to feel the historical aspect of this particular show. We'll right. get you to the places you need to be. Sometimes you don't have to watch all the matches to get the idea of the show. Exactly. But we do. We have to watch all of them. Yeah. To get you where you need to go. Exactly. So we don't mind it. We, we, mm-hmm. we don't mind being your... Pro wrestling canaries, uh, right. so and there's going to be shows like that for sure. Some shows yeah. you might have to avoid altogether. Right. I can think of a couple off the top of my head right now, but I won't yeah. mention them. We'll, we'll save those. December to December. Thank you. I was thinking the same thing. Perhaps Bash 04. It may not be as bad yeah. as I remember it, but we'll get there. Yeah. So yes, we are in the beginning of the National Wrestling Alliance's era, and man, did they! I mean. They came out like like a cannon because hmm. 
even WWE cannot deny, even in a lot of their revisionist history, and I don't mean to beat hmm. them up, but they do like to revise history quite a bit. Yeah. That they can't they, they can't even lie about the fact that NWA influenced pay per view. Oh, sure. Like this is an entire what uh, this is like right before WrestleMania and you know that WrestleMania happened because of Starcade. Right. They admit that. Yeah. This uh, how many months of the punch did they beat him? What, what what's the exact date? Uh, Thanksgiving night in 1983. So it was year no- and a half. Yeah, November 24th, 83. Yeah, and WrestleMania is March 85. So yeah, yeah a whole year and a half. Yeah. They set the pro wrestling world on fire, changed it forever. So and that makes sense for like they see Starcade and they're like, well, we should probably do something like that. And it probably took them a year and a half to plan it. Yeah. Oh, so. oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. That, that has to be and. Not only just playing the event itself, but signing away some of the guys. Right. <laughs> Building them up for WrestleMania. Yeah. Some guys you just don't have to build up, and we'll be talking about those guys throughout this particular right. episode. But yeah, Starcade, 1983, a flare for the gold. A little rundown stat here. Take it away, Chris. Uh, took place at the Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, just closed circuit in the southern United States is that what is, we that's, found. That's what it says. And so not even the whole country could see it. Yeah. And uh, sold out 16,000 people in attendance. Um, Bob Cottle and Gordon Soley have the call on the show. Yes. Uh, two of Jim Ross's absolute teachers, mentors, and influences. The two mm-hmm. biggest ones are those two guys. So yeah. little modern branch there for you kids out there. Yeah. Jim Ross's favorite guys are those two guys. Yeah. And you can kind of hear some of the stuff that Soli says. You can, if you're a longtime watcher of JR, you're like, oh, I've heard that before. Yeah. You do hear it in both, too, because yeah. Gordon's good at his call, but Bob Cottle's a great storyteller. Yeah. And he really gets that across uh, yeah. in an event like this. And yeah. that's where JR gets his storytelling from. At least that's how I feel as, a, right. as an observer. Yeah. Uh, but there's all that. And even some Gorilla Monsoon, I kind of heard, like calling the body parts and things yeah. like that, the prefrontal lobe and stuff that there was being called in the show. Yeah. I love Gorilla MD. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always going to love that man. Uh, but yeah, it starts off, and if you're, you know, you access this, I'm sure maybe Closed Circuit was a little different for those who watched it live. If you did, please send us an email. I'd love to yeah. hear your experience on that. But as far as like when you hit play on the WWE Network to watch Starcade 83, a flare for the gold. It's right off the bat. Like yeah. the, the, I think the bell's like just ringing yeah. for the first match. No intros, no nothing, yeah. and it's off to the races with the masked assassins with Paul Jones mm-hmm. versus Rufus, Rufus R. Jones, and Bugsy McGraw. Yes, and like right away, as like I know Bugsy. Uh, you know, I'm a world class kid from back in the day, mm-hmm. and I remember Bugsy McGraw, massive baby face. The kids loved him. Yeah. And it's a gimmick you don't really do anymore, uh, post Eugene. But that's the, no, right. but you know what I'm talking about. Then if yeah. I just say Eugene, you know what I'm talking about. Right. Uh, so, but we love Bugsy and the Mass Assassins. Boy, a yin yang. Yeah. As far as age and physicality, right? We go to you know we do the wrestling wiki. There's actually a wrestling wiki as opposed to Wikipedia as well. Uh-huh. Good access mm-hmm. on there. A lot, a little bit more detail than your average Wikipedia. Sure. But you can get them on both most of the times. But yeah, the both Mass Assassins. Uh, one was Jody um, Hamilton. Thank you, Jody Hamilton, and the second one, who's a little bit younger, yeah. actually a lot younger and a lot more put together, is a guy we would know later as either Hercules Hernandez or Hercules. Yeah, yeah. Because I was noticing, I was like, I was asking you because you always know who the guys in the masks are on all these old shows, and I'm like, I have eight, no idea. Eight out of ten times, yeah. I can do that. But yeah. I was like, okay, so one guy's pudgy and one guy's like pretty, pretty. 
uh, buff. Yeah. And so, but then when you said, like, I don't know who Jody Hamilton is, yeah. but when you said Hercules, I was like, oh, yeah. Because then when you watch him, like, because you said that before the match started, and then when you watch him, like, yeah, I, I see that. Because like, the, the way he moves and yeah. his, his musculature is like, you can see it once you know that. Yeah. And Jody was a lifelong masked assassin wrestler, basically. Oh, so okay. that's that's where anybody would know him from. Right. So, yeah. And I, I had a little bit of a memory of Paul Jones because right when I came in watching NWA, I remember seeing him for a little bit, but he disappeared shortly shortly after I started watching. No. So I knew a little bit of him, but that's all I had. Um, you know, come to find out later that Rufus R. Jones is the father of Slick. Yeah. And you could totally see it in the yeah, face. Again, like, once you said it, you can see it. And he comes out cause, cause yeah, uh, Rufus, when he got tagged in, he was doing like, he was shaking and he was kind of dancing a little bit and yeah. he's like, he's got charisma. Like yeah. he's, he's got something and yeah, it makes sense that yeah. his son is slick. His kid is a better dancer though. I will, I, I do have to sure. say. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, let's get to the match here. Uh, the match was, it was, it was okay for yeah. a starter. I mean, it was mostly like the babyface team, Rufus and Bugsy were pretty much, they just kind of took turns beating up the assassins for most of it until kind of towards the end where um the the assassins got like a blind tag and they ended up winning yeah uh, jody hamilton actually pinned uh, bugsy mcgraw with a schoolboy so yeah. it was like a real out of nowhere yeah too, kind like... of a cheap yeah it was a real sudden ending yeah. but i mean it was a lot of hip tosses and irish whips and punches and stuff yeah and, and then shows like this and in, in these particular eras of time you're going to see this on uh, supercards and early pay-per-views that you know they just kind of feel like television matches and nothing wrong yeah. with them but Nothing special either. I don't mean to beat him up, but right. you know it was it was okay. Yeah. And how we do it? We we don't do star ratings or anything like that. We're just gonna rank it top to bottom, like we always say. Right. So we're not gonna do any of that. But yeah, it was just it was just kind of over. That was it. Yeah. I was like, all right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was it was a warm up. It was definitely yeah. a warm up match. Yeah. And I, I I thought about this. I think the only time that Hercules ever appeared in the NWA, both times, different name. Both in masks. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. There's going to be a Clash of the Champions way down the line yeah. where I will point out Hercules in a mask once again. We will get back to that. It's interesting. And uh, it was good to see Bugsy again, as a, like I said, as an old world-class fan. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. But he lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, there's not much more to say about that match. Um, and then we cut to the back, and it's Tony Schiavone in in the back. And mm-hmm. what, yep. you, what you said is, like, some of the first, like, backstage wrestling stuff. Ever. Yeah. Like, like if I'm not mistaken, and let's let's put aside any pre-tapes, because I know World Class was doing that once again. I'm going to say right. World Class a lot on this show. But because of the fact that it is live. Right. This is the first ever live going to the back oh, gotcha. segment yeah, yeah. ever. Yeah. Like, you see it on that show. I, I don't, I mean, I don't think there was, it, I was like, they would have had to have done something like this maybe when they did the uh, Ali Anoki fight on closed circuit and have an interview in the backstage area. Right. I don't know for sure, sure, but I feel like this is probably maybe the first ever live backstage segment. Yeah, probably and, very well could have been. And it's and got baby-faced Tony Schiavone. Yeah, yeah, like, he looked really young. He's so young, he it looks like he literally takes naps between each match. Cause right. We'll, we'll <laughs> yeah, talk about yeah. that later. And yeah, uh, it's funny. Like they have apparently there were like two dressing rooms, and yeah. one mm-hmm. had all the heels, and one had all the baby faces, just all kind of mingling together. That's a real old school dressing room. Yeah. That's the way it used to be. Yeah, too. there's like a couch in there. Yeah, and, yeah. 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 I didn't even see a mirror, but maybe that's on the other side. Yeah. Because the cameraman would be caught on there, right. so it wouldn't look good. Mm-hmm. But, but then, but yeah, and the, this show, like, really, until a little bit later on, the first few segments are just like, bam, bam, bam. They, like, yeah. they start, they go real quick. So it goes right into the next match. 
which is another tag team match. Uh, Johnny Weaver and Scott McGee versus Kevin Sullivan and Mark Lewin with their manager, Gary Hart. Yes, the great playboy Gary Hart, who should be in the WWE Hall of Fame, one of the great all-time heel managers mm-hmm. and uh, world-class guy once again. And Kevin Sullivan, talking about Shivani, that's the youngest I've ever seen Sullivan. Yeah. And I don't know how many years he's been in at this point, but, you know... I always thought he move. He always moves so well. Like yeah. he's not a high flyer, and he is a brawler, but he's not a big guy. Yeah. But he always just was making tracks. Like even till the the last match I've ever seen him wrestle in, he's just always moving around and being all crazy. And he definitely earned his crazy man gimmick. Yeah. But interesting thing about this tag match is it, when you watch the match, you can plainly see like this is this is kind of a gimmick match in the sense that. Uh, one teammate is very young, and one teammate is very much a veteran, and yeah. each side has those two things. Yeah. So, the, it made it interesting just because of that. You know, the first match is pretty by the numbers as a television tag team match. Right. This one was a little bit better, I thought, and yeah. because of because it was different, and you know, there was some I, more moves, some more physicality to it, and yeah. a little more. Uh, tag team psychology i suppose from especially from lewin and sullivan because they did almost the entire match it was quick tags tag in tag out tag in tag out like you were saying when we were watching it like sullivan didn't have like three seconds in the ring before lewin was like tag trying to tag him back in like, yeah couldn't and, couldn't get any i mean but it, it helped sullivan them didn't they, even see the tag coming right because he was too busy leaving the ring exactly but <laughs> it's a little bit excessive yeah and so they pretty much kind of dominated that match yeah um, and they did win in the end. Uh, Lewin pinned Weaver after an illegal like they had Sullivan distracted the ref and yeah. Lew, I think I think it was Lewin and Hart had uh, Weaver's arms draped across the ropes and pulled yeah. and did a like an illegal axe handle. So yeah, so being with like basically an axe handle yeah. and the bell rings and it's almost like a bonus match starts like right away yeah. and all of a sudden we're into uh, you know. I, the, you know, this show is called A Flare for the Gold, right? but the subtitle should be There Will Be Blood. Right. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of blood on this show. <laughs> yeah. And not that not that we don't have uh, our moments in blood in history. We're not, sure. we're not totally, we're not a PG era guys either. Sure. But, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it starts off, they win the match, and they keep attacking the guys. Like, that yeah. just doesn't happen. They're bad guys. That's what they do. Yeah, but they just... Like, what else to prove? Oh, yeah. we're going to... Uh, Gary Hart has a spike. Let's yeah. use that. Exactly. Gary Hart goes to use a spike. He gets a great He gets a great drop kick yeah. uh, on him. And not Gary Hart. <laughs> the right. guy that hits yeah, him with yeah. the drop kick. Yeah, yeah. And then he drops it, but then, like, the other guy picks it up. And then they just start stabbing the guy yeah. with the spike. And then the blood immediately starts gushing. Uh, Scott McGee got the worst of that by far. He <laughs> yeah. was... He had the blood dripping from his head. He's the one, I think, that stained the mat. Yeah, and I'll go ahead and talk about this. They do a segment backstage later on, because mm. I just want to talk about it <laughs> yeah. now. And and Angela Mosca, who comes in to save the guys, yeah. and he gets stabbed repeatedly in yeah. the arm for, you know, for for actually helping out uh-huh. uh, for his trouble. Right. And when they do an interview with him later on, because he's supposed to be the guest referee for the tag title match, mm. and... He's got his arm completely bandaged up. And you can see blood coming yeah. through the, the white of the bandage. You can see me through, and he's pissed off. Yeah. And he's sitting next to Scott McGee, and it like it's like Scott McGee is just dead. They're just, yeah. They just left him there, 
Because he says nothing, and he doesn't even seem to be blinking. Because well, when we were watching it, the the framing of the shot when they're first on him is you can't see Scott McGee. You can't see his full body. You can just see his arm, and he's kind of slumped over. Yeah, there's an arm with blood on it. Yeah, and then you said, oh, there's a dead guy beside you. And the, the, that's exact the exact moment when they pulled out, and McGee is just like completely slumped over his head's down. There's dark red blood over his face. He hasn't yeah. cleaned up at all. No. And he's like passed this out. This has been how long? Yeah. Like, his like, eyes are like closed. An hour? Yeah, his eyes are closed. He yeah. looks like a dead guy. Yeah. So it's the weirdest thing. So if you like watching possible dead guys <laughs> yeah I, I i know for a fact that scott mcgee did not die during <laughs> right. that show because i've seen him job on primetime wrestling a lot in my day and that was way after that <laughs> let's move on to the next match uh yeah there were just a couple segments in between uh barbara clary yeah was the... there's no missy hyatt i'm sorry right I'm she was the female right amongst the crowd that asked everybody mm-hmm. who they thought would win and everybody yeah. said flair uh, i'm not trying to be really this mean-spirited but she just looks like a lady that's answering phones like in the office They're right <laughs> and then they just threw her out there yeah for all i know she has like a massive degree in journalism or something, right but yeah, whatever <laughs> and then so the next match coming up is a match that was banned or thrown out of puerto rico yeah so, yeah it was carlos cologne versus abdullah the butcher yeah the rivalry that has ended in more double countouts and double disqualifications than any rivalry probably in the history of the world <laughs> And Starcade got it, so good for them. Yeah. That this is this was a big get, and it made it, uh, you know, and it's smart too because this is the kind of thing that's going to get you more international coverage, mm. and it, it totally worked. And to the point where you talked about it was only closed circuit in the South. Mm. However, according to what they said during the broadcast, Puerto Rico wanted the match so bad that they closed circuited it yeah. specifically just because of this. Right. So super smart on their part. Yeah. And it's about what I expected. And I, yeah. I love these two guys, right. and I, especially Abdullah. I freaking love Abdullah. I yeah. grew up on him. We met the man. Right. We, we, we ate his food. Yeah. We saw <laughs> a match. We saw him make someone bleed. Yes. I remember mm. that match, too. Yeah. That poor bastard. Yeah. Whoever he fought. <laughs> yeah. Some local guy from here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who probably drove him to the building. Right. And, like, <laughs> did everything for him that day. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, we're getting away from the match, but yeah, it's. Uh, I I don't think there was one, like, you know, no arm drags, you know, no suplex. No, it's punch and kick mania. Yeah, that's pretty much all it was, and, and that's what you get in these matches. And you know, and there is there is absolutely a place for that. Yeah, and, and I decent positioning on the card too, because yeah. you also have the U.S. Or not the U.S. title match, but you have the. the the dog collar match to look forward to down the line. Right. So good positioning on the card. Yeah, don't. Put this back to back with that. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, the one time you could probably upstage these two freaking guys and violence, and that's right. that's that, that just doesn't happen. Yeah. So you you get what you pay for with this match, and uh, yeah, what I didn't see this coming from a mile away. Okay, for you Attitude Era guys, like if you're in the generation of the Attitude Era. This is an interesting finish for you, especially because what happens? Chris? Oh yeah, well it was, it was kind of funny watching because we were they were cheating like almost from the yeah. opening bell, and the ref was like letting he wasn't even admonishing him; he yeah. was just like letting letting it go because Abdullah snuck the thing in first because he kept right. sneaking and he kept sliding it back in there like yeah. like better than a cop would. Yeah, so he had, <laughs> it had like a fork or something. Yeah, and at one point Carlos pulls it out of his out of Abdullah's trunks or yeah. pants or whatever yeah. and starts using it on Abdullah and the rest like whatever yeah it's freaking blatant yeah 
And then where's but, this blood coming yeah. from? I don't know. But eventually, it ends up in this weird kind of convoluted way to where Abdullah actually drops an elbow on the ref, so the ref's knocked out. <laughs> and then the then, first big pop. Well, actually, yeah. no. The first big pop of the night was Gary Hart getting drop kicked. Right. The second biggest pop of the night so far is that referee taking a massive elbow drop. Yeah. I mean, he took the whole thing yeah. and the whole half of Abdullah right. just landed on him. It was but, great. But all that cheating, and then at that point, that's when Carlos decides to put a figure four on Abdullah. Like, they're not <laughs> cheating for the first time in the match, and it's when the referee is knocked out. So we were having a we were having a laugh about that. Oh, man. But as Carlos has Abdullah in the figure four... Which, who knew that Abdullah could even take a figure four? Right, yeah. All respect in the yeah. world. Some man in a suit comes into the ring and I attacks. thought it was Paul Jones. Yeah, because it, it looked like uh, yeah. the suit that Paul Jones had. In, yeah, in it was like a Fantasy match. Island yeah. kind of suit, if that's not too old of a reference right. for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, that attack directly leads to Abdullah pinning Carlos for the win. And we're like, who is this guy? And then we go to the side. It's Hugo Savinovich. <laughs> Like, the commentator from approximately the Attitude Era, the yeah. Spanish commentator, yeah. Hugo Savinovich. The fluffy color man from yeah. the Attitude Era. The guy that we, to this day, that we still, every time they show the the booth, the Spanish announce table, we're like, oh, I miss Hugo. I miss Hugo every yeah. time. <laughs> no who, offense married, to... who married Wendy Richter. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a one degree separation from, another right. one degree separation from Starcade to WrestleMania there 1. There you go. Bam. Yeah. But it was it was it was a fun match for what it was. It's exactly what you'd expect, I think. It was refreshing after those few matches. Yeah. Like it it, it cleansed the palate. Okay, let's get a little more serious now. Yeah. And that's where it gets serious. Yeah. I mean and even the the, the post match yeah, yeah. shenanigans previously. That like sets the tone for the next match. It's almost like they did it as yeah. a buffer yeah. for the violence you're about and to And it see. was short enough to where it didn't like wear you out. Because if, yeah. if a match like this goes on for too long, you get bored with it. They gave it a 60 minute time limit. I said, watch, it won't go six. And it <laughs> right. went exactly six, didn't it? It's something probably like something yeah. around there. Yeah. yeah. And, and that pretty much laid. That pretty much led directly to the next match, which was a tag team match. Chief Wahoo McDaniel and Mark Youngblood yes. versus Dick Slater and Bob Orton Jr. Yes. I gotta say, and for where my fandom is right now in this particular era, and I, I'm sure Chris can attest to this, and a lot of other fans probably can, uh, talking about Bob Orton Jr., of course his son Randy Orton. Everybody knows Randy. Hmm. Not the biggest Randy Orton fan in the world. Haven't been for a long time. Yeah, we used to defend him, but not, we, we not used so to much we used to like the guy. And you know when he was putting in work, you yeah. know the Foley feud. I mean, forget yeah. about it. Oh yeah. But going back and really old schooling it, like watching stuff just prior to my youth of when I became a fan, I gotta say, and I'll probably say this multiple times on multiple episodes, Bob Orton Jr. is absolutely freaking underrated. Yeah. That guy is a smooth effing t- tactician. It's, like I said, I, I brought up the fact that the the three guys I think of immediately when I go old school is like who has the absolute most consistent maneuvers in their execution. It's Bob Orton Jr., Ted DiBiase, and Bret Hart. Mm. Is it any coincidence that they're all second generation athletes? I doubt it. It's probably because if you grow up with it, it's kind of second nature, I guess. Yeah. You know? it's, mm. just a, it's amazing to watch. Like Bob Orton is a surgeon in that ring. Yeah. And when if you ever see a Bob Orton Jr. match come on, he's nothing to look at, right? You know, but watch him work in that ring, and it's a it's always a pleasure. Lately, like I've been yeah. watching old primetime wrestling episodes, and he's just fun to watch. Yeah. So I recommend for you younger listeners out there, 
if you've never seen Bob Orton Jr. wrestle, I get a lot more out of his matches than I do, especially lately, the yeah. Randy Orton match. And, and I do too. a lot of great psychology there. Yeah, I'm just kind of the same way, because I never... Watching from when I was a kid, I don't really remember Bob Orton Jr. No, I know I saw him. He was, I mean, yeah, but he was, I was, he was in the eighty, you know, in yeah. the Hulkamania era, of course. Yeah, yeah but um, but watching these matches with an adult brain, I guess I'm yeah. like, I I can see what he's doing. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah he's one of the, he's really good. Yeah, and uh, you know, at this point, uh, if you don't have a reference for this, Wahoo McDaniel probably in the top five most recognizable and most popular baby faces at this point in time in wrestling mm. always gets a major reaction. And he was a massive crossover from his days in college and pro football. Uh, so everybody loved chief Wahoo. The, yeah. I mean, he, he just show up and people go crazy. You know, he's almost barely in the match until the hot tag. Yeah. And man, the people go, and it's like they did it on purpose. They, they just, right. they saved Wahoo for the, for the big finish. And the people go nuts when he comes yeah. out. And it was neat seeing a very that that's the youngest I've ever seen Dick Slater, mm. so uh, that that's another real fun guy to watch with an adult brain, because even in this match he's it, it seems like and he might have been in his fifth or sixth year at this point maybe even more, but he's he's you know he's not as crisp as Orton in this match right but you know there's still some stuff there that's fun to watch and uh, you know maybe if if that team had stayed together they could have maybe been something no. Yeah. Uh, so and they had it all i mean they were riding high on actually they were involved in the big storyline for race and flair going into this mm-hmm. they're the guys that injured rick flair and collected the bounty from harley race so i feel like they maybe should have gotten booed a lot more in that right. match just because of their involvement in it but yeah eh, who knows but uh yeah i, I like this match what do you think of this match chris it was yeah it was it was really good it was i think it was the best match so far on the show for sure because yeah. it had a lot more, there was a lot more story to it. Like the other one, the other previous matches have been like pretty straightforward and simple, but this one had a little bit more back and uh, maybe not so much back and forth, although a little bit. Because yeah. it was mostly uh, Mark Youngblood in trouble yeah. for pretty much playing the Ricky, whole match, playing Ricky Morton, having yeah. the ring cut off. Yeah, <laughs> and then Wahoo McDaniel came in at one point, and like you said, the hot tag. But he started. They Slater and Orton ended up teaming up against him and, and getting actually stopping him and Youngblood had to come back in. Yeah, it was so realistic because they really banded together and got Wahoo completely compromised. Yeah. Took a hard fall outside yeah. the ring. I mean, yeah. Like one of those ones where the guy goes through the ropes instead of yeah. over the top because you can't go over the top rope. At yeah. this point, NWA, we, we should mention, yeah. over the top rope is illegal and would get you disqualified. Yeah, and that so was he, one of the points in this match, is early in the match, Youngblood kind of pushes is Slater off, yeah. and Slater runs towards the ropes and kind of puts himself over the top, and Orton was like, that's a disqualification. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, making a point to show yeah. it. So yeah, it, it did actually come into play. Well, if you can get the nine over early, and you go home yeah. with the, the winning money, you know, yeah. that's, that's what you would want to do, especially a heel. Yeah. But no, it was a really good match, I thought. And, uh, I'm sorry I annoyed you at the end of the show, where, or the end of that match, where I kept yelling for Orton to do a superplex. I was like, if we see one <laughs> thing in this match, I want to see a Bob Orton superplex. Yeah. And, and I got it. We did see it, and that was the finish. Bob Orton pinned Mark Youngblood after a superplex. Yeah, with a beautiful float over pin. And Wahoo yeah. actually did hit him on the three, mm-hmm. but the referee still, still counted, counted it, it yeah. and the decision stands. Yep. And for the second tag team match in a row... The heels win, and the heels keep attacking the guys post-match. Spiking the ball, yeah. Oh. They went after, especially uh, McDaniel, they went after his arm. Because Slater was actually up on the top turnbuckle, and Orton had McDaniel's 
arm like stretched out over past the apron on yeah. the floor. But yeah. and Slater like chickened out, like he didn't do, he didn't jump from <laughs> yeah. the top. He like went down to the apron and kind of stepped down and and hit McDaniel. So Orton went up to the top and was like, uh, like I'm kind of like I'm going to show you how to do it. Yeah. And he actually jumped from the top. So they, totally Nelson Munston watched. I yelled at the TV. I yeah. yelled, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> But but they were attacking McDaniel for the, the specific purpose of injuring his arm. Yeah, because now they're the guys that are going to injure guys. Yeah. It's a good, good rep to have on the circuit. Yeah. So, at least in a storyline. Right. <laughs> not, not for real or anything. You right. don't get booked that way. So, yeah. So, we're, we're moving on here. What else we got? Yeah, we're halfway through the show already. Yay. Um, but then we go back to Barbara Clary, and she's talking with Dusty in the crowd. But... <laughs> Uh, she stole my Fisher Price microphone yeah. when I was six years old. Yeah, trying to do pirate radio shows. Obvious audio problems. <laughs> that's, but that's one of the things, like you were mentioning, like earlier, like the WWE can't hide the fact that this came first, and like they're not with the network, but they're not like going back and like fixing these problems with shows like this. Yeah. And I think it's kind of similar on they're shows not, they didn't produce. Yeah, they're not. That's I guess that's true. <laughs> yeah, but they're not trying to pretty it up or like. <laughs> Uh, like cut segments that don't work or camera angles that are weird or have camera angles but like I just thought that was kind of interesting that they did that they don't want to deal with the wrath of the hardcore fans any more than they really have to yeah other than the fact of like dumping music from a lot of shows Uh, you know me I'm a music guy I hate that (laughs) I hate that shit but the next match up was uh, we had to roll this back to make sure we got the stipulation correct (laughs) it is a title versus mask match but it's a 60-minute time limit match. Yeah. But since it's the TV title, the title is only up for the first 15 minutes of the match. And the mask is as and well, the, to the be the title fair. and mask, yeah. The title and mask are only on the line within the first 15 minutes. If a fall happens after that 15 minutes, there's no change it's, of anything. It's just a match. It's merely low-level bragging yeah. rights at that point. So it seems an overly complicated stipulation to, to a match, but... Yeah. And I, I did explain, as the, the nerd of me knows, like especially watching old NWA television shows, mm. the TV title match, which is usually the main event if it's being defended, which mm. usually it was every week, or maybe, you know, whatever segment it's on, your segment is 15 minutes maximum, right. ergo 15-minute time limit every time. Yeah, so it makes sense. So it's I fair. Guess, yeah. It is fair. Yeah. And, yeah, the challenger is a guy that looks a hell of a lot like um, Boogie Woogie Jimmy Valiant, but yeah. he's not billed as such. It's uh, Downtown Charlie Brown? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the guy from out of town. Yeah. <laughs> he's got this red and black mask on and just all this hair, like, cascading out of the bottom, his beard and yeah. whatever else is going on there. Lucha Santa. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Versus the great Kabuki oh, with legend. his manager, Gary Hart. Gary Hart returns again to delve out more evil on Starcade yes. 83. And Kabuki was the champ, by the way, if we didn't yes. mention that. Yeah. You saw Kabuki I did. live. I'm still jealous of that. Yeah, well, oh. yeah. You can, yeah. Yeah. You always, you're always going to have that on me. Yeah. There's no, I mean, there, there can't be any possible way. Right. Unless he happens to wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom, like, coming up and I get to go. That might be the only way Maybe, I get to see yeah. him. Maybe. He gets, yeah, he was in the, one of the, the pre-Wrestle Kingdom Battle Royal uh, for maybe, like, less than a minute. He didn't, he just, he basically, he did the Sheik thing where he made yeah. an appearance, but he didn't win. Yeah. He made an appearance and he left. Yeah. 
I remember he didn't really care for cheeseburger at all. If I remember correctly, he was like, "What? What is this?" He didn't really care for anything, though. I was gonna say, like, he's like got to be in his sixties. Yeah, and that that humor is probably just not in yeah, his world. Yeah, he didn't look like he cared for anything. Really, yeah. he was looked like he was ready to go. It's like, God, I'm glad I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, just kidding. But uh, yeah, uh, fun match. I mean, the contrast in styles alone. Yeah, you got a massive baby face with your basic moves. Versus a, a master of the uh, martial arts and, and the mist and all that great stuff that yeah. we love about you yeah. know uh, Far East wrestling, Japanese you know. strong style, I yeah, guess yeah. Of, of that era. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That that that's a cool guy to reference, man. Kabuki. Uh, yeah, like I said, he's a legend, and and, and of course, um, Charlie Brown definitely he he appears to be a legend. I know that the guy I thought he was is definitely a, a <laughs> right. absolute legend in this business. Yeah. But yeah. What did you think of this match overall, Chris? Yeah. It was, it was. I liked it. Uh, I especially liked the psychology that Kabuki had with the Iron Claw, oh, because he so good towards the. I would say the middle third of the match, yeah. he kept it on for probably a good three or four minutes. I yeah. would say because he would get it on Brown and then he, Brown would get out of it for whatever reason and. There was one point where Kabuki went up to the top rope and came down. Looks like he was going to do an axe handle. Nope, yeah. it's the claw. Yeah, it's back on. Right back and he on. did it. He put it back on like a few times. Yeah, and Brown sold it like a million bucks too. Yeah. You know, like which would probably be legit on my part. Like, ah, oh, god. Yeah. Like my head hurts now. I'm supposed yeah. to work and match some more. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Uh, is this your first Charlie Brown match, by the way? I, definitely, yes. Okay. Yeah, I can right. almost 100% guarantee that, yes, that is. The kids probably have no idea what to do with downtown Charlie Brown, yeah. but, but he's a fun guy. He dances. Yeah. You know, that's, hey. that's fun. Kids like dancing, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. And catchphrases and right. pool hoops. Yeah, he's got his catchphrase on his back, so yeah. or a catchphrase on his back or something. I'm oh, sorry, longboards. I need to modernize myself a little bit. <laughs> Hula Hoops is out, right? Okay. Right. I think that was out before we were born. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so the match was... I Yeah, it was it was, it was alright. Yeah, and we uh, the match had gone on for enough time that we were even like questioning, well, wait a second. Was that within 15 minutes? I'm not sure. And apparently the That's announcers the thing, were, yeah. didn't have a stopwatch Nobody knew. at the table either. The match ended up... It ended really suddenly. It was another match that ended on a real sudden beat because Kabuki was down and Brown just did a running standing elbow drop. Yeah. And that Bionic was the uh, elbow. Yeah. And he, <laughs> and he pinned him and 10 minutes and 35 seconds. So oh, was, was it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I had to wiki that, but that, but yeah, the referee, they cut pretty much cut directly back to the back to yeah. Soli and, um, Cottle. So they never announced... The referee didn't even announce, because you could still hear the crowd. Yeah, no ring announce, yeah, no they, nothing. They yeah. never announced if he won the title or not. Yeah. I didn't so. even see him leave. He actually left the ring, and I didn't see him leave with the belt. Right, yeah. <laughs> so they didn't even so want to know. It was just a mystery. Him, yeah. Which we find out later on in the show. Yeah. that we. I know I'm going out of order a little yeah, bit, but yeah, we find out later on, yes, he is, in fact, yeah. the television champion. Because he shows up, Shivani. They probably were like, oh, crap. Like, we didn't... Nobody knows if he won or not. Because it was at a moment where Shivani was in the back doing his interview things Sleeping, with a number of people. Right, taking a nap. Yeah, right. <laughs> and Dusty's trying to get this mic fixed. Yeah, and they're exactly. Like, what do you mean? There's, what do you mean they don't know the finish? Yeah, they had to make that up, too, actually. 
So <laughs> they did. yeah, so between You can only imagine that's what happened. Yeah. So it was I think it was between like Flair and maybe Steamboat or something. Charlie Brown like runs in there and is like, I won the title and he started <laughs> yeah. So we we knew. I was like after like it was the next match. It'd have been cool to be in a closed circuit theater nightclub or whatever and then Oh yeah. And right. everybody just goes, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe that's what happened. Yeah. Cause he's from every town. Oh wait, yeah. no, he's from no town. Anyway, I'm not sure. Trying this, keep, I'm trying to keep up the character. <laughs> and between this, this is when they actually did make up the Dusty thing, because Barbara Clary actually, was actually in the back in the Starcade like interview section or with the the logo and stuff, and she was talking with Dusty, and basically he's just saying like, "I'm going to challenge the winner." He right. actually picked like everybody in the crowd was picking Flair, yeah. like without question, because the, I mean they're in North Carolina, and Dusty but, didn't want to commit. <laughs> well, he kind of picked race. He did. Kinda, he did kind of yeah, pick race because yeah. he wanted race. Yeah, because it makes more sense. You know, hey, heel versus babyface yeah. is a lot better box office. Right. But yeah, I, I made the joke when he was around the, those bevin of ladies, and they all picked Flair. He's like, I'm not gonna say. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, because you know who's gonna win. Right. <laughs> You're the freaking Booker. <laughs> yeah. It did so, feel like he was kind of doing that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But now we're on to the top three. I would say these next three are the main events of the show, yeah, for sure. Triple main event. Yeah, triple main for event. For sure. Because the next match is a match that I remember pretty well, because I've seen it a few times. It's been on some compilations, I think, yeah. is where I saw it from. A match that will forever live in, in wrestling infamy, yeah. and, you know, uh, in, in, in sometimes a negative light, and also a positive light. It's yeah. considered definitely one of the more memorable matches of all time. Yeah. Major press of the time. You know, you go to you you went to uh, you went to a Comic Con one time, and people are still talking about this match. Yeah. And when Greg Valentine is in the building, people are going to ask him about this match right. for the rest of his life. Yeah. So it is a non-title uh, match because Greg Valentine was a U.S. champ at the time. Mm-hmm. Greg Valentine versus Rowdy Roddy Piper in a collar match. <sighs> yeah. So it's two. If you haven't seen this before or not familiar with it, it's two. Big, thick leather collars, like dog collars, connected with a heavy chain. Yeah. And basically, it's all about violence and blood and pounding people in the head with the chain and choking them. And, yeah. yeah. If you're not sure if you're ready for a match like this, you're going to know pretty soon. Yeah. Like, if let's just say it this way. If you're wincing in the first two or three minutes, I mean, even the feeling out process that happens a lot in big main event matches especially this time there is that filling out process they even do it with the dog color match yeah but it's the most violent feeling out process you'll ever see if you can't take that you are not going to be able to take what lies ahead because i mean i I feel like it's necessary to say viewer beware on this one because it is extremely violent i wouldn't oversell it i mean Uh, it's not like czw like blood and gore stuff yeah but it's more it's different it's more but since you kind of we know the injuries that that roddy suffered yeah that i think that makes it worse maybe maybe that that's what happens in my head yeah for sure it was is the fact that Piper experienced actual permanent hearing loss because right. of this match. And seeing his interview later on in the show, like seeing him talk, yeah. like you can see like immediate damage was done. Yeah. And I think that does make it a lot worse. So Yeah. So knowing that there's a lot of realism yeah. and actual real stuff in in this match is I, I think is what gives it the legend that it has. Yeah. That being said, I still don't think that it's an overrated match. 
Oh it, no, it's not man. the most violent wrestling match ever. Right. Maybe I was selling it that way. It's not. Yeah, but for its time, it's uh, there's another another good one to reference. This is an older Madison Square Garden show from like the early '80s, the yeah. Sergeant Slaughter uh, Pat Patterson boot camp match. Yeah. That one's pretty damn bloody yeah. too. But I think this one, I don't know. That's a tough and, one to call. But yeah. they're both so good, and it's one of those things where you can take violence like this. And make it matter. Yeah. It, exactly. Yeah. I think that's the thing. I think that's one of the things that puts it over and makes it seem maybe more violent than maybe some people might think it is. Because the way they incorporate it into the match, it does, it means something, you know. Yeah. Like each each punch with the, when they wrap the chain around their fist and punch them in the head, it, it means something. You know? yeah. And I'm not trying to undersell it either. It is very bloody. And yeah. Because at one point... Because we, we were commenting on the blood on on the mat and how not a whole not lot wiping was it down added. at all. Yeah, <laughs> but at one point Piper and Valentine are on the mat and uh, Piper has the blood coming down the side left side of his face and Valentine just has blood all over his torso and that's yeah. all Piper's blood. Yeah, there's a point where Valentine's trying to suplex Piper. Yeah. And it's like uh, it's almost like a fan ran in and with a red paintbrush and just went zzz, right, right down the side because it immediately made it look like that. I'm exactly, not, I'm not even yeah. exaggerating. Yeah, there, and it was I'm, really early in the match when that yeah. happened too. Yeah, uh, and, and and here's another note and and kind of a you know even though I've never taken a bump in my life, Chris actually uh, can't say that because he has, mm. but I feel uh, from an outsider perspective, I feel like it's necessary to say it's because of guys like this that it's almost okay to do this because it it mattered like piper being the victim in most of the match and even post match mm. it's because it's piper because we care about a guy like roddy roddy piper right and we care about his journey and that is the absolute and i don't get too much of a soapbox but that is the difference between having a match like this and the fact that it means something Versus some, you know, first year backyarder, yeah. and this is just a, this is just a thing. This is what I do all the time. Yeah, and it, but it, I got news for you. It doesn't matter, right? Like this is the stuff that matters, and this is the stuff that will live forever, because it was a great story, and this was built up over a long period of time, That's at least, especially compared to nowadays, good old day syndrome. But, yeah, but yeah, you you care that Roddy Piper is going to get some measure of revenge against Valentine. Right. And he's going to do whatever it takes, and he's doing it during the course of the match, not giving up. Mm-hmm. Those those kind of things, man. That's what makes it... It's what makes it art, you know, <laughs> versus just, like, gratuitous, right? Yeah. Am I wrong? No. no, 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 I agree, because you have violent matches that are there for the violence, but you have matches like this that are there for the story. They could have done... A bunch of different kind of matches and they all would have had different impacts on the story i think but the the heat between these two guys with coming through with the blood and the chain in the face and pulling the chain i mean it like yeah. you said each one of it means something and yeah. and you're invested in these characters so it, it means more than two two guys you don't know that are breaking themselves over like broken glass and yeah. and light bulbs and stuff and, and once again, giving massive credit to Piper and Valentine, we are not watching an era here 
that throws the video package out prior to the match and tells you why you need right. to feel the way that you do. And there's nothing wrong with that. There is a place for it. Yeah. But you don't have, I'm not having seen any of the recent old video packages. We didn't go back and watch yeah. events. Maybe we should have. But it almost didn't matter because when you saw the looks in both of their faces when the bell was about to ring, it said it all. That's another thing. I think it... It shows how good these guys are that they can tell the entire story between the bells as opposed to having us a package where, okay, this is how, this is what you need to know in order to get this match as opposed to Piper and Valentine. You don't need to know anything. Just watch it and they're going to tell you everything they need to know with what they do. Like a lot of matches today may not be able to rest on that laurel. Exactly. If given that not chance but yeah. like if you took it away from it and that's the thing i think that's one of the things that we're trying to do with these shows is to kind of pick out those matches that you can watch out of context and be like that is still a great match that you need to go back and watch and yeah. i think this is one of them absolutely and we'll kind of well, i guess as we get to the more modern era we'll see how many of those matches are are still there if you can watch something out of context and still be like yes that was that was as good now as it was when i first saw it well said well, let's uh, get on to, I, I think this is still my favorite genre in all of her wrestling, the tag team matches. Mm-hmm. Tag title match right up uh, in the middle of the triple main event here. Yes. Tag team title match. Tag team title match. The champions, uh, Jack and Jerry Briscoe versus Jay Youngblood and Ricky Steamboat with Angelo Mosca as the special guest referee. Yeah. Bandage and all. Basically, the um, early modern era... Latter-day old-time era, the Briscoes are the equivalent of World's Greatest Tag Team, or even American Alpha as we know them nowadays, the original shooter amateur wrestlers. As a successful tag team, one of the most successful tag teams of all time, now current Hall of Famers. So, just throwing out there some respect to the Briscoes. They, maybe a lot of their stuff, maybe it hasn't aged all that well, and I'll I'll admit that actually. Right. But they had skills, and... You know, they were the guys of their time, especially as far as, I mean, they had that respect. And this is a time where they're not really pulling like they do out of amateur. Like, that's the thing. They're, they're not recruiting NCAA guys at this time for right. pro wrestling. Because that's a big taboo at, at this point. Crossing over, that was a big no-no. So the mm-hmm. fact that the Briscoes did it, but they 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 were successful. So they got to, like, basically, you know, have the last laugh. Yeah. I can only imagine how much crap they took from their old cronies like yeah. about doing this so right. that's just something i just wanted to throw out there because like nowadays it's like there's guys like adolf ziggler who even said i started amateur wrestling because i wanted to be a pro wrestler yeah that was not the case back in that day right so the briscoes are innovative because of that right so yeah yeah, and this match was really good. Of course, Ricky Steamboat's in it, so any match with Ricky Steamboat is going to be amazing. You get a, like if if you get an automatic, if you're doing stars, I feel like any Ricky Steamboat match immediately starts with at least three, three <laughs> and a half stars. Yeah, like out of five, right? And then it just builds throughout the match. Yeah, just man, what, and one of the greatest of all time, really. I mean, of course. Is there, uh, there can be no doubt about that. And I've been talking a lot of Steamboat over the course of yeah. this entire series. I haven't seen... I'm not as very familiar with the Briscoes as yeah. far as... I haven't seen many of their matches. Sure. Yeah. Um, but 
this was this was good. I mean, I don't know if I really saw as much of what you were saying about like the American Alpha kind of things coming through there. I can see where. I'm just making the comparison that they're all from amateur wrestling backgrounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Steiner's the same yeah. thing, you know. So like, this was the team that influenced like a Steiner's. Like, right. hey, we can do this. Yeah. And then once the Steiner's came in, like. That's where business picks up, right? And you see all the lineage from mm, all the way to yeah, that, that's kind of kind of a precursor too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like it's like you can watch a gorgeous George match, and you're like, oh, okay, well that's that's all right, you know. See the inspiration, for, yeah. but you see where it's going, yeah. and I think stuff like that kind of will carry it, even if you're not, you know, if the match doesn't entirely blow your skirt up, then right. I get it. But that's just kind of where I'm coming from on it. Yeah. Oh, definitely, I can see that. Yeah. And it was it was a really good match, one of the better, I think, technical matches of yeah. the whole show. Yeah. I'm um, glad that Jay Youngblood can wrestle a lot better than he can talk. Yeah, he was not good <laughs> in the back. And they let him, they put a mic in his face like three times. And, and he always looks scared, doesn't he? Yeah. Like, he just looks like a dude Either in the headlights. like a combination of scared and disinterested. <laughs> yeah, like like he's at a club. Yeah, you, you know those guys you talk to at the club, and you could tell they're just looking at other women. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, exactly. Like... He was looking at something else. He was thinking about what he's going to do after the show yeah. while he's putting on his wrist tape before the match. Yeah. But then then Steamboat's always there to save it, and yeah, it's and, all business. Yeah, yeah, Love um, guy. But he's yeah, he but he was good in the ring, and of course Steamboat and Youngblood are great tag team. This is a they won the match. Jay Youngblood pinned Jerry Briscoe. After a, uh, a double team, like a press slam, like uh, it was the old what the Bulldogs used to do yeah. later on is the press slam into a splash. Yeah, so Steamboat pressed Youngblood, which dropped onto Jerry Briscoe, and yeah. Youngblood got the pin. And I will always love using your partner as a weapon. Yeah, exactly. It's one of my favorite things ever. So they became the five time, five time, five time, five time, five time NWA tag team champions. Yes, that had to be a first. I can imagine. Like, was a first. Well. <laughs> At that time, I think they might have been the most decorated team ever. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you, we could be in mid-sentence during the beginning of a steamboat match, and once yeah. that first arm drag happens, you're like, whoa. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just stop. Everything stops down. He had a really badass one early on. Yeah. So. Even the, and of course, solely like comment or Coddle, I'm not sure which one, yeah. commented on like, great rotation on the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. We have plenty to come after that. Yeah. So yeah, fun match, and... Uh, I remember that actually wound up like uh, one of the pro wrestling illustrated like year in things. Like, yeah. There's a lot of Star K matches that made that list, obviously. Yeah. But, and, yeah. There's a little bit of pro wrestling illustrated advertisement during the show because yeah. well, Mosca is wearing a pro wrestling illustrated t-shirt yeah. during his match. Yeah. That's his referee outfit. <laughs> that and the bleeding uh, bandage. Right. <laughs> so. Uh, and then, of course, after the match... <laughs> he uh, gets beat up, too, again. Yeah. He, in a post-match. <laughs> he gets beat up. Jack and Jerry, like, beat him up, and they put a figure four on Steamboat and, like, splash Steamboat while yeah. he's down. Yeah. But Youngblood does get back in the ring, and they... Steamboat and Youngblood do... Are the last ones standing in the ring, like, as champs. And here, a modern-day observance on an old move. Don't you always think it's weird when you see an average-sized guy do a splash? <laughs> Because, yeah. you know, like, isn't it always going to be better if it's a super heavy At this point, yeah, it's got to be a big guy. Or not gotta be, but yeah. It just looks like it does nothing. Right. Like, Superfly was the only guy that could get away with that because of how he did it, first of all. And right. second of all, he put every pound of his body right. on that opponent yeah. every single time. Yeah. That's just the way it has to be, my friend. <laughs> anyway. 
We're moving on to the main event, right? Yeah, main event. I mean, it's going to take a minute to get to it if you're watching it. Yeah, this was... Buyer beware. I was about to say, like, how well they were positioning the matches on the card, because you mentioned it with the spreading stuff out. Yeah, yeah. They put the the really violent collar match, but then they had the technical tag match in between that and the cage match, which is the main event. Which you're going to have violence in that, but there's going to... I mean, that's a mixture. That's definitely a mixture match. But then they put intermission right before the main event. It took forever, because we're watching it on the network, and you can kind of see, like, the dots between the matches, (laughs) and it's one of the biggest gaps in between the dots on the thing. It's like, it was like 20 minutes, wasn't it? This is where they should have had a truck ready to roll the package. Man, you you could have put together a really good package for this, because if you, for those of you out there, I don't know if any of this is on the network, maybe as you're watching this in the distant future it is, Mm -hmm. but like on the Ric Flair ultimate Ric Flair collection like the three disc that came out the Ooh. first one that came out for him you can actually watch all of the segments leading up to this match and then watch cool. the match it's a really neat thing to have yeah a lot of box sets don't have that right but like seeing Harley Race's bounty promo and all stuff like that's what should have gone on yeah because they mentioned that during the show yeah. the bounty and they mentioned it throughout the entire thing yeah. they even go back to it later the second time they talked to race right so, yeah, that would have been nice because I feel like they would have that technology. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. if you could roll a tape in a truck, even yeah. at that point, I know you can. Like, that would have been a great place to do that. Yeah, but it was still... Putting stuff like this together in a live event was still in its I'm infancy, sure it was, I guess. I'm sure it was murdered. Even just, the yeah. fact that they only had a few mess-ups, like, really, right. is probably a miracle, honestly. Yeah. yeah. But even Cottle and Soli were like, oh, they're not ready for us yet. So they, they had to kill time. <laughs> In, I love on the mic. Like, I've never seen, and I love Gordon Sully, but I've never seen him that lively. He's, yeah, he's trying not to just die on camera. Yeah, like he, he like you could tell him and Bob just want to die laughing. Yeah, like one of those outtakes where uh, like Gene and Lord Alfred right. are always drunk. Yeah, <laughs> like but they're just like, hey, we keep it together. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen him that bright eyed and wild. Right. Anyway, but eventually stuff. they did get to the main event. It's cage match, steel cage match for the NWA heavyweight title. Ric Flair versus the champ, Harley Race. Handsome Harley Race. Yes. With uh, Gene Kanitsky as the special guest referee. All right. Should we do it now? Okay. Might as well. Special referees, with very little exception, ruin matches. They That's have... my blanket statement. Go ahead. Okay. I wouldn't say that they always ruin matches, but they... they... Always have the potential... They almost never make a match better. I'll say that. Because just by the very act of putting a special guest referee in a match, you're already drawing attention away from the competitors in the ring. Gene Kanitsky did that. I'll take my Sharpie out and kind of mess with my original idea there. This special referee potentially ruin this match right <laughs> that's that? really what you were trying to say <laughs> and all respect yeah. to gene kanitsky as a competitor yeah he's as good of a fighter as he is a bad referee yeah terrible it, it was still a good match and it was oh, yeah. because the guys in the ring are amazing and legends yeah but i don't want to say this match is unwatchable yeah. but yeah he kanitsky from the start he got better but his counting, trying he he's one of those guys that you, you slide your hands underneath the shoulders to see if their shoulders are down. Oh my God. He did it like 
five, six times every time. Yeah. And then he would wait like a couple seconds before he would start counting. Yeah. So there's a segment where I think Flair has race in a headlock, side yeah. headlock. It's a side headlock. Yeah, where, on the you've mat. seen it a million times yeah. where the guy rolls the guy over into right. the pen, reverses it back to the headlock. Yeah. And race has his shoulders down for like five seconds. five seconds before it's, uh, he starts to count, yeah. and then race does the thing where he shifts his weight over and puts Flair's shoulders on the mat. Yeah. And it's like he's never going to count that, and he gets to one after like five seconds. So I feel like Jesse the body. He waits thirty seconds and then yeah. he does something. Like I mean that that is what goes on and. So there was that, yeah. and also the... It's a real testament to Flair and Race. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it early here in this segment, but and they're the, that good that the match doesn't just blow. Yeah, and the aggravation of a referee in a match like this, um, stopping closed fists and doing rope breaks and uh, pulling people out of the corner and getting himself directly involved and grabbing on to physically the... Involved. Physically involved. Worse than Hebner. And I... Way worse. Despise you, Hebner. Yeah. Least favorite referee yeah. of all time. Dave Hebner. For for what he does when he Earl gets... Earl Hebner, sorry. Yeah, yeah. When he gets in between the, the, the competitors or he actually grabs onto him and pulls him back, Kanitsky grabbed Harley Race two handfuls of hair and pulled him, dragged him across the ring... Mm. Just because Flair was in the rope. And let's reiterate this. It's a cage match. Yeah. He's calling rope breaks. Yeah. But he's getting on him about throwing the guy's face into the cage. Yeah. It's a cage match. He grabbed Flair's fist as he was rearing back to punch Mm -hmm. because it was a closed fist. Yeah. He held Ric Flair's, both of his arms behind his back... Allowing Harley Race to get a cheap shot in yep. at one point because Race was in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> so I, and and I, I know one of the whole points of how they book Kanitsky in this is he's supposed to be in... in the, I'm spoiling the finish here, yeah. but he's supposed to be involved in the finish. Right. And they barely made him a part of that move. Yeah. But it's because his positioning was so terrible right. that you know damn well... That he's supposed to schoolboy trip Harley. Yeah. And they just, they, they don't even have that belief in him to where they actually just overshoot him on right. purpose. I yeah. know that they did on purpose because they completely, Flair knew where he was. Right. And Flair actually went for the high cross body that would just miss him. Right. But that's obviously what was supposed yeah. to happen. They actually and landed on him. Yeah, they landed on his. His shoe. His, his leg because you could see him <laughs> holding his leg afterwards. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, Harley headbutts him a minute before that. Right. I was like, yes, that was what really got me on there. But the, mean, the finish was Flair with a, a crossbody from the top rope onto Harley Race, kind of over Kanitsky. Yeah. That was the pin. And that was the end of Harley Race's last world title run. Mm. He was a seven time champion. This was the beginning of Flair's only second. I'm not going to say at this point how many he has now because you never know, but right. he is retired yeah as of this recording right he's a 16 time champion yeah ish the numbers are a little skewed on that but the beginning of a second so we're really early on here with flair and yeah i mean like i said we're we're really making this see we're talking about kaneski too much almost but in a sense it is relevant but you get to see all the greatest hits like i like to say right uh harley race with the headbutt Beautiful vertical suplexes, flare with his knee drops, race with his knee drops, right. and knee lifts. 
So you get to see all the greatest hits that made these guys great. Yeah, if you can watch around the referee, yeah. like it's tough, but yeah, because yeah. I think we're both used to or very good at tuning out certain things, like certain commentators we don't like or sure. certain things. So if you can do that kind of same kind of thing, but with the referee yeah. in this match, then it's a really good match, of course. And how we re- how we rank matches here for you uh, friends of the show is. Yes, quality of the match is probably the most important thing. Rewatchability is a big deal as well. And historical significance, I think, can skew a vote like into, yeah. you know, let's say the first match of a card is, it's a fun match, it's a good match, but yeah. you got a match that's on par with that, maybe a little, maybe a little better, maybe a little worse, but the title changes hands. It's important. It's sure. historically significant. And that's where a match like this will get a pass. Right. But I still think it's worth watching. Right. So, uh, we have, you want to rank it? Yeah. Bottom, bottom to top, just sure. like we do? Let's do it. Hit it. So, coming in, actually, the the show started out pretty easy for us. Yeah. Like, the first three matches are our bottom three matches. So, coming in at number eight out of eight is the Assassins versus Rufus R. Jones and Bugsy McGraw. Okay. Coming in just behind it at number seven is Johnny Weaver and Scott McGee versus Kevin Sullivan and Mark Lewin. And then coming in at number six is the bloody Carlos Colon versus Abdullah the Butcher. Actually, I guess it was the other way. Abdullah was bloody in that one. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And coming in, moving right along at number five is the NWA TV title match that we weren't sure who won or not. The Great Kabuki versus Charlie Brown, where Charlie Brown comes away with the belt. And gets to keep his mask. Yes, and gets to keep his mask and all that hair. The hair was like, I don't know, it was something about it. It was like so much of it. It was um, yeah. it was weird to me. Nowadays he'd braid it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in at number four is the tag match between uh, Chief Wahoo McDaniel and Mark Youngblood versus Dick Slater and Bob Orton Jr. Yeah. And then, as it should be, the three main events are our top three matches of the night. Coming in at number three is the tag team title match, Jay Youngblood and Ricky Steamboat winning the tag titles from Jack and Jerry Briscoe. Yes. And probably no surprise, the top two. And even though we kind of complained about it a lot, um, specifically one person, coming in at number two is the NWA title match, the cage match between Ric Flair and Harley Race. Flair for the gold. Yes. And the top match, the match that you really should watch if you're a wrestling fan and aren't terribly squeamish, Coming in at number one is the dog collar match, Roddy Piper versus Greg Valentine. Yes. I'd say that's a very fair ranking. So yeah, you you out there that may not be familiar with this era at all, if you're coming in to search for what to watch on your WWE network, which is the only legit way you can watch it. This is not on DVD or Blu-ray or anything, which is kind of weird to me. Is like it I, figured, I figured a Starcade box set... Even though they have a highlights box set out, oh, you know, okay. the greatest yeah. matches of all time and Starcade. I guess that's what and I was thinking on, of. And that's on there, but there's no full Starcade on disc. Yeah, yeah, as of this recording, there's not. So maybe that'll change at mm. some point. But I feel like those classic shows should, you know, have box set volumes mm. out just like all the other ones they I did. I feel like they're not in any hurry with the network. Yeah, probably not. I might not be in a hurry to buy them because of the network. Yeah. What about that? That's the thing. But yeah. I, I'd still buy them. I know me. <laughs> They'd uh, have to do something, like you said, where you would be able to watch all of the build-up segments and maybe yeah. a couple significant Bonus matches segment. before. Yeah, you know. I'd, I'd love that. Yeah. I mean, that would be worth That'd it. That'd be worth the money. Yeah, put me in charge of that. All right. So, yeah. 
So yeah, um, the you know I guess we'll like uh, yeah the must watch matches. I'd say your filter is a top three, top four because I really like that other tag match. Yeah, let's say top four matches are the ones to go for if you're cherry picking. Right. So unless you're just an absolute fan historian, what have you, full full show every time, just <laughs> do it like we did. Yep. But if you're not gonna go that route, top four matches on this card are the definitely the ones to watch. I would say, for me, personally, dog collar match. Yeah. Without question. Yeah. Without question. Yeah. yeah. If you're just going to go for one, that's, you know, the number one's always the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, on that note, we're going to get out of here. And, uh, Chris, I'm going to let you do the plug tonight. <laughs> All right. So take it away. Uh, you can go to cnjradio.com for the Wrestling House Show and all of our wonderful shows, including Rock Strikes 10, my occasional movie stuff on the last year on the left, and, of course... Randy's the synaptic for all of your music needs. And yeah, email us there, go to our Facebook, Twitter, whatnot. It's all linked on the site. So cnjradio.com, that's where you need to go. Yeah, and whatever the next show is, we will see you on the next one. Come join us. Bye. from Gaffney, South Carolina. How far did y'all have to drive to get here? About 180 miles. And was it worth it? Yes, ma'am.